explain Everything in the world gets labeled and named A box, a rough definition unaffordable Who picked the label doesn't want to be responsible Truth, you're the warden, is the keys of the prison You create your own box, you don't have to listen If Joe Blow says, yo, you paint like a Baggio You respond, no, that's an insult, Joe I live in a vacuum, I ain't copping no one Listen up, son Everyone creating is a member of the family Passing down genes and ideas in harmony The players and the cynics might be thinking it's odd But if you rewind the tape, we're all copying God Copying God Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Joe, 2018 is a wild new uh, musical year, I think we can say. Yes, it is. Thanks to Jack White. Uh, Paul, uh, Jack White's uh, transgressive, daring reinterpretation of a post-colonial pastiche here is a commentary <laughs> on just how much everything sucks, uh, because everything about it sucks. <laughs> You know, for a second, I thought you were just going to be giving a straight up, like, sarcastic praise for the song. Um, That's but I actually impossible. just watched, I just watched a video from a guy with 1.4 million uh, uh, YouTube subscribers and 400,000 Twitter subscribers. This is the needle drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a video viewed a quarter million times reviewing the whole album. And he, he listed Ice Station Zebra as one of his favorite tracks. Oh. He, uh he hailed the um, the Beck like uh, uh, quality of the vocals and uh, uh, as as a compliment, and um, I just I just gotta say Beck, I'm sorry. That's that's a terrible thing to have said. Man, about yeah, you. I hope I, <laughs> I you know that I hope I don't know this guy, and I'm sure he's nice, but I hope the Dust Brothers hold him down while Beck <laughs> rearranges his face. <laughs> Beck. Beck would be the nicest face rearranger of all time. Yeah. Um, you Just know, kinda, you know, gently kind of like give him little taps. Yeah. But I mean, but he would still have to do it in this case because that's slander. And Beck would talk um, to him about Scientology, which is the worst punishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might not be as bad as having to listen to this Jack White verse over and over and over again. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, we're all just copying God, Joe. When I when I bag on Jack White, you know, it's not like I invented um, making fun of bad music. I'm just copying God. Uh, you know, I, Paul, I, I guess I I was trying to think of a comparison for this, and I, I told you about this that you know how can you describe how bad Jack White rapping is? Um, and and my comparison was SpongeBob on meth trying to rap along <laughs> to a tribe called Quest, but it, nothing is as insulting as just saying Jack White rapping sounds like Jack White rapping. It's it's as bad as you conceived of that before you actually heard of it. Heard it. Yeah. It uh. It uh. Yeah. If you had told me about this ahead of time, and then I had listened to it. And I, my reaction would have been, "That's that's a terrible idea." And sometimes you get surprised with something like that, and it it's uh, this was not surprising. It was 
it was as bad as you could hope. I mean, I was going through adjectives, you know, lazy. I think you could describe the the guitar riffs and piano riffs and old-timey piano interludes uh, as lazy. Ill-advised. I Ultimately, I just settled on depraved. I think it's at least artistically depraved, if not morally. So, you know, thanks, Jack White. Ah, man, he's never going to make a good album again. <laughs> Oh, that's never happening. No way. <laughs> There's no chance. Oh man, he and uh, he and Julian Casablancas uh, should collaborate together on the ultimate terrible album by Washed Up OO's rock stars. Man, even at this point, I think I think Julian's pulled ahead. I mean, know what you know? I'd I'd rather listen to his album than this song. Do you, do you not remember the zero point zero he got? A few years ago, I do. Pitchfork, I do, okay. and I actually think that album was better than this. Uh, it was certainly better than this song, but so is the rest of this album, thankfully. But uh, Paul, what's your what's your favorite uh, lyric f- from this um, verse? Oh, no question. I think it's the awkward way he um, he rhymes uh, Joe and Caravaggio. I think that's what the rhyme is. If, I'm not looking if Joe Blow it. says, yo, you paint like Car- Caravaggio, you'll respond. No, that's an insult, Joe. I live in a yeah. vacuum. I ain't copping no one. <laughs> it's the, it's the Caravaggio insult Joe rhyme that just, <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> and his delivery does not make it happen. I mean, Eminem could probably make those things rhyme, but not Jack White. Oh, well. Uh, I would I would like to hear Eminem uh, make fun of this in one of his own <laughs> songs. Um, I would like to hear peak Eminem do that, but unfortunately, current Eminem is not much less washed up than than Jack White. So it's been rough for Detroit white guys. Well, you know, wait, may we all may we all maintain uh, enough sense of ourselves to. Um, edit the shitty ideas we have as we get older Mm -hmm. speaking of which this podcast will be running for another 70 years at least but absolutely yes yes and you don't stop cool lady best rapper you don't stop another fucking hundred fucking dollar freestyle for you and your mind come on yeah you can never define anything but divine love i'm a savage beast (laughs) slightly above average at least nah preference is relative my references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery. Elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower. See how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower, a bell at the top of it. A hawk, a pigeon, a dove, a vision of love, an eagle, a falcon, even the gold coin and the talon that was. Um, prophesize upon earlier papyruses Gaze into the irises of infinite osiruses Hieroglyphical, visual, style, habitual, scriptural um, Kick verses, hearses, ghosts hovering above them Cold stuttering, skips in the tape, a vision of lake A cold cloud field shrouded and secluded Alright, uh, and welcome to Savage Beast uh, I'm Joe Gallagher uh, And with me, as always, uh, doing the exact same podcast over again. It's Paul McLeod. Hey, Joe. Happy to be here. I'll always be here. I love you. Uh, it's always, you know, good to do a uh, a reproduction of a of a inverted replica. 
which is to re-record <laughs> a podcast that is a commentary upon others' art. <laughs> um, oh, I thought you were doing a little uh, a little metaphor there about the way that vinyl records get made with uh, several transfers and everything, but maybe not. Ah. Uh, which would have fit well with our main theme today. It would have. Um, we are here... Uh, Paul, why don't you why don't you set this up? You you in fact okay. Um, came I up came with to the you idea. with this one. You did, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, five of my grandparents recently died, and I've come into some money. So um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to. Uh, I mean, I didn't kill them, uh, but uh, I was trying to figure out how to spend that money, and I thought, what would be more um, on brand for uh, an annoying hipster twat like me than to spend it on uh, music, um, probably music I already own digitally, uh, in a vinyl format from, you know, invented 60, 70 years ago, uh, just so I can have a, uh, a cool physical fetish object to go along with my altogether over-the-top appreciation uh, for music. So I thought, my friend Joe has bought a lot more vinyl than me, I'll ask him. What should I spend? What are the best vinyl things I don't already own that I should spend my money on? Uh, uh, I knew Joe would just assume I already had all the good Radiohead ones, and I have the Nutrimilk Hotel box set. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was looking for the primo artifacts, not beyond those, and we'll see what he has to say. Um, yes, uh, your your uh, eighteen dead grandparents would all be proud. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's a it's a Mormon thing. Um, we yeah. get, we have a lot of grandparents. It's a Mormon mixed with Native American, mixed with a lot of uh, you know rebellious uh, gay adoption, sort of poly <laughs> adoption situation going on. Yeah, um, yeah. Can, yeah. If you if you have the will, you c- you too can have eighteen grandparents. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, you just have to work at it. Come on, <laughs> um, Paul. I, I uh, you know I'm. I probably have this. How much? How many vinyl albums do you have? Do you think? So I have. I have a lot. I can turn around and look at a, a coffee table, a hollow one. It's probably four feet to a side that is filled with vinyl. Um, Ninety to ninety-five percent of which are copies of Aqualung that my dad gave me because he was trying to buy more copies of Aqualung to find one that wasn't scratched <laughs> up. Yes, yes. We all the, the core of every good vinyl collector's uh, collection is a bunch of old rock records from their parents. Yeah, and in fact, almost all of my vinyl is that they're not all Aqualung, but six of them are. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not you, joking. This how how frequently do you true. listen to Aqualung? Well, you know, so I still like that album. There are at least a couple of great tracks. Um, the most recent time I listened to it was a little over a month ago at my sister's wedding because my dad pulled out his, like, you know, gold master transfer copy that he finally broke oh down and bought God. and played it on his Uber sound system. Yeah, and it sounded great. I mean, uh, they recorded uh, Aqualung really well back in the day, considering it was fucking, you know, 40-something years ago. Um, and, uh, and it sounds great on my dad's system, but yeah, I mean, um, really as far as vinyl that I have actually purchased, um, uh, of my own volition, it's, uh, the last three Radiohead releases and it's the Nutramilk Hotel box set, which I mentioned earlier and a few random old records that I found myself in like the $2 bin, 
mm-hmm. um including things like uh i don't know there you know there's some really great albums i've bought that way like uh uh i don't know the cars uh yes. self-titled album um and some really terrible albums that i was super excited to find at the time like uh philip glass's uh, I think it's songs from Liquid Days, I believe, which includes oh, yes. it's it's like his pop album. I think I've mentioned it before. It's David Byrne and other pop stars appear on it. Sounds he's, like such a good idea, and it's it's not good. He's uh he's had a long career uh, that is uh, has uh, peaks and valleys. Yeah, well, that that was a valley. Anyway, uh, so all in all, not really that much vinyl of albums I truly love. Yeah, I mean, I probably have purchased like. Um, we're really showing ourselves to be vinyl virgins here, but I probably purchased yeah. like somewhere between 20 and 30 albums um, myself. Uh, I think my favorite dollar bin sa- find so far would be television's Marquee Moon, um, mm. which I've had a pretty good copy of uh, at a dollar sale. Um, but yeah, I have the Radioheads and the Neutral Milk Hotel as well. Um, yeah. As long as I've got some other new albums like uh, Swans and uh, b- 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 Cloud Nothings, but not that many. It's very sporadic. Yeah, yeah you, know, you know, I, I recently, I mean, I've been buying vinyl more as, um, you know, it shows kind of as an alternative to buying a T-shirt. Um, yeah. If I like a show, I'll, I'll buy the band's album on vinyl then, um, uh, especially if I haven't, uh, you know, bought the digital, da- you know, because I get the digital download with it. So, um, sure. Uh, so I've gotten a few good ones like, uh, bleached and I have this. Yeah. And I have, um, I have the first purity ring album, which I bought, uh, at a show Mm. of theirs. Um, did you uh, get it signed? I did not. Um, but I did buy, uh, Frankie Cosmos, his album from, uh, right from her. So. The brand new one or the one before that? The one before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. When you got to say, cool. hey, good record. And she said, yeah. thanks. Which we've <laughs> gone over on this podcast. So all that being said is, you know, I, I definitely, um, I think of vinyl as, you know, something that, uh, not something that I buy for the fidelity, you know, so I can listen to my favorite album in the highest quality all the time. Um, but mm-hmm. it's certainly nice to have for that purpose and otherwise to serve as like a nice talisman of yeah. my favorite records. Um, but I'm always threatening to become a much more serious vinyl collector and someday it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> someday um, world. Someday. I'll someday. follow through on these threats. Yes. Um, yes. Well, you'll pay. You'll give me all your rare 90s vinyl. Mm. Um, well, help me follow through on your threats. Too. Yes. So I'm, I'm happy to rise to this challenge here. Um, you know, it's it's a broad uh, list of targets. I mean, there's a lot of vinyl out there. There's a lot of good bands. So I kind of I thought of it in three different ways and kind of came up with three different approaches Um uh, some of which I have two options. Um, so um, let's let's get into it. Uh, All right. Okay. So option one. Um, to me, when it comes to buying vinyl, like if you start with the Beatles, because number one, mm. they're a great band, and number two, if you're talking about things that are going to hold their value, that you know people are going to be interested in, you know, probably ten or twenty years in the future. I mean. I think oh, yeah. the Beatles are the closest thing to a guarantee that you could get. Um, well, not according to Chuck Klosterman, but 
you know, he might have been wrong <laughs> well, about that one. Yes, if you want to buy some Chuck Berry vinyl, um, we can <laughs> we can get into that, or some marching band, some John Philip Sousa. You know, he's still going to be blowing up the marching band charts. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, any any Beatles vinyl you see in a store is usually like forty dollars, unless it's just a completely skated on piece of trash. Yes. Um. So, uh, in 1982, uh, EMI's uh, famed Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab uh, released uh, the ultra-high quality recording version uh, box set of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm. Um, This rare box set uh, was produced. It's a limited edition. There's only 5,000 of them. Um, it's a 180 gram super vinyl uh, developed uh, from, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's designed to be flatter, more consistent, and harder wearing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it was pressed on an extreme precision press um, uh, from the master stample, stamper of the vinyl, uh, the original album, uh, in Japan. Um, in Yokohama. So there's a lot going for it for that sort of, uh, you know, craft hipster, yeah. just it's oozing out of there. Like, yes, this is a special version of the album. Um, and it's renowned among collectors. Uh, you yeah. know, there's, there's, uh, among the Beatles forums, there's some debates about what was done in the mastering about whether it sounds better or whether they, uh, horribly mangled the original sound as it always is with these things for um, sure some people really like it some people don't um and it's it's apparently you can get uh right now on discogs um you can get a good copy of it for five hundred dollars which i found <laughs> yeah it's pretty high um but you know you said you wanted to spend some money on vinyl so this is the this is the reach one <laughs> okay so uh i appreciate that being pitched to me um i uh it's a great album um and that sounds like a dope ass version of it to have uh funnily enough my dad does have a completely skated on copy that just sounds like total shit um but it's still fun to listen to um so uh, having a a really nice one would be cool it's a fun album on vinyl i have my parents copy as well and it's just uh you know i think the kind of uh the vaguely concept uh you know fake concert aspect of it um yeah. makes it a a good uh, whole album listen yeah plus you can actually do the locked groove thing at the end yes um, that on cd just repeats a few times and then goes out um that said if you had told me this was rubber soul i would really be sold here mm. um which is a a, cla- a a great album, and B uh, the kids love that album. So um, uh, actually, I think I think that album hits the sweet spot for me between pop Beatles and weirdo experimental Beatles. But, yes. Um, yeah, um, you know it's it's not the um, uh, it's not it's probably not the number one Beatles album I would have just chosen, but it is perhaps the most. Um, random exclusive interesting version of a Beatles yeah. album. Uh, yeah, the the version part of it is cool. Uh yeah. and and you know, it's certainly probably the best regarded Beatles album, so you at least have that going for you. Um that's that's tempting, Joe, but but uh I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to spring $500 on an album that I l- 
love and admire, but is not one of my all-time favorites. Fair enough. Um, uh, the uh, uh, I don't know what uh, a first edition of uh, first pressing of Rubber Soul goes for, but I bet it's pretty high. Yeah, it has to be. We'll look that up. Yeah. Um, so, what's your next pitch? So, this part B of that is if that was a little too expensive, um, uh, that option was um, uh, currently on Discogs, you can get a uh, first pressing of the Velvet Underground and Nico uh, for about $200, uh, which I think would sound fantastic on vinyl. And it's just like, it's got that iconic Andy Warhol cover, so it's going to look really good on display to see how uh-huh. that banana, you know, and it really, you know, going to be, you know, swinging your dick out because you bought, you spent <laughs> this money on vinyl and there's a, a little banana on the cover. Um, yeah. I also love that album. So, you know, that was my other example of sort of a classic 60s album that you could go yeah. and get like a beautiful near mint condition. Uh version of and how much did you say that one's going for i found one for about like the median is like 250 and i think there are ones that are like there aren't a bunch for sale there was there's one now that's not in good condition that's like 110 dollars. but i think there are ones for i've seen them for like 200 dollars, 250 dollars uh which you can find one for sale okay so not bad uh here i'm gonna have to say um, uh, you know, this is somewhat shameful for a music aficionado to admit, but like, I have never really been able to get into the Velvet Underground. Mm. Um, now, uh, Nico's solo album from that period, uh, from what you know, two tracks, uh, ended up on the Royal Tenenbaum soundtrack. Yes. Um, two I actually really tracks. love that. Yeah, I really love that. Um, but as... You know, I, I kind of get why Velvet Underground were a big deal. I like weird music. I love weird music. But um, I just, uh, I love really highbrow, lowbrow music like what they do. Um, but it's it's never pulled me in. Um, I'd, so, I'd say that this album is worth a listen more than, um, you know, this is the one you'd want to re-listen to because it does kind of, it's not yeah. as uh, viciously lo-fi as um, um, white light, white heat, uh, yeah. for instance, which is kind of like uh, it, it has has you know a lot of uh, intersections with punk and yeah. you know music that's kind of deliberately bad. <laughs> yeah, deliberately you know, see, that's poorly recorded. Thing, that's the kind of thing that is just never. <laughs> quite worked for me um i mean both both albums rule but um, yeah i understand yeah, um, yeah i will i will though definitely take this as an opportunity to go make sure i'm not wrong about the velvet underground and nico because yes. it, it's it's time to try again some of those songs are are uh, unimpeachably good like uh yeah venus and furs um you know i think i i think i bought that album on cd and then uh, there was a site called SwapTree.com. This was when when digital media were still often physically incarnated. 
where you could trade books and CDs and video games mm-hmm. uh, with other people online. So you're like, ah, I don't want this copy of Pride and Prejudice. That. Maybe somebody has a copy of uh, Hum. Uh, you'd prefer an astronaut that they would like to trade me. This That might be an actual trade I pulled off. I don't remember. But um, so you could do that. And I, I traded the Velvet Underground and Nico away on ah. the site. So gotcha. I should find out. I should go back. Oh, Gabe is joining us. He is. Wow, you can. He's really yelling down there. All right, so uh, Joe, give me another one here. All right, so uh, an option that I'm really excited about, um, uh-huh. and this one is more just. I think you need to own it because it's one of your favorite albums, and the vinyl is actually um, somewhat rare because no one like pressed vinyl in the '90s um, yeah. compared to now, um, which is the. Uh, original version of Modest Mouse's The Lonesome Crowded West. Oh, yes. Um, so you can get a very good version of that for under $200. Um, th- there's even <laughs> one that's 100. I see one that's 130 right now on Discogs. So it's okay. like your OG, described like the OG 1997 Up Records edition. Um, yeah. You know, double LP, listen to Cowboy Dan the way he was meant to be listened to yeah so wait the thing i'm looking at there's a 25 dollar copy on here is that so real? They, Am I they, missing something? they re-released this album uh, okay. and that's another option they re-released it you know kind of deluxe uh you know repressing um which you can get on amazon um brand new for um okay me, yeah yeah uh let me look it up right now probably about $25. It's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that's, you know, like yes, the new the new vinyl is like 20 bucks. Um, okay. Which again, good thing to own. Actually, no, the 180 gram like ah. really nice version is 30 bucks new. Yeah. Which yeah. that's yeah. That's a good option. It is. Yeah, you know, so this is interesting to me. It it speaks to a difference in our uh collecting approach in that um I know there's a whole uh, subculture, not just in in vinyl, but especially in books, of people who you know got to have the original edition and so forth. And uh, my, I just can't get my my physical fetishism, uh, physical fetishism hard on up that high to give a shit about that. Well, see, I um, actually don't. It's I. I don't okay. really give a shit about that either. What I care about is that with these records, I mean, they really can be pressed so differently and mastered That's so true. differently that you That's know, true. like I. I think it's more that you, you have this, um, and it really could vary. I mean, some records, you know, the first version of it is trash, and some of it's really good. But like, yeah. I like to hear the original version because, like, unlike with books, where I actually kind of. <laughs> excuse me kind of enjoy like listening to the worst i kind of enjoy having like a trashy uh, mass yeah. market paperback version of it that i can just beat up um mm-hmm. with records you know like i you know a lot of times they get remastered louder we had this debate yeah. on our talking heads uh remain in light um or not debate, but discussion where you know the yeah. remaster of it for CD kind of ruined certain parts of it, and some amateur had to go take it apart again. Um, yeah, so that's why I think if you have you know, okay only your absolute favorite albums, you might want to like have this original version both for the thing that you own it 
the physical fetishism part, but yeah. also so you could listen to the original version. Yeah. Okay, so that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally give a shit about uh, if there were variations in sound quality, then I would. Uh, yeah, I would. I would go for it, as you know. Yes. Um, so that's a really good one because that's a great album. It's a very analog album, um, which tends to be. I don't even know if this is actually true, but I feel like really analog stuff like that is where I I feel like it should be on vinyl more. Um, which is funny because electronic music was pretty much invented on vinyl and continues to be produced on it all the time now. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I really like that option and, uh, and I'm considering it strongly because that's an all time classic rock record. Nice. Okay. So give us your next, uh, give us your next vinyl, Joe. So the, the other, um, option I have for sort of the 90s release is something that I've always wanted. This is something I might buy in your position, which is the original vinyl release of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Um, I knew this was coming. Yes, it's a limited (laughs) edition and it's numbered. And now, Paul, do you know why this version of Melancholy is special? I know they reorganized all the tracks in a different order. Exactly. So it... Billy took the three side, the two sides, uh, the two discs of the the double album, and turned it into a uh, three LP six sided um, mm. album for vinyl. Totally reordered the songs and also included two extra songs. Um, one of which, the Tonight Reprise, um, mm-hmm. is a B side, and then the other, which is a Infinite Sadness, which is an alternate version of the um instrumental melancholy and the infinite sadness um Mm. uh that is now put to close out the album um and uh i think that uh here um the uh attraction of listening to melancholy on vinyl and also like kind of listening to it in a different order um, yeah. that brings out different things. Um, for instance, the first uh, disc, the first side, Dawn, is uh, is Melancholy, Tonight, Tonight, 33, In the Arms of Sleep, and Take Me Down. Uh, oh, wow. And then the next side, this one's good, is Jelly Bellies, Bodies, To Forgive, Here Is No Why, Poor Selena. I mean, that's a good run of songs. Yeah. I, I like that order. That that side That's, is, is called tea time. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is extremely tempting. Yeah, You've, this is uh, you know um, we have to sit here and and um, get all slack jawed about Billy for a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, that the 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 fact that it actually completely recontextualizes one of my favorite and most over listened to albums of all time. Yeah. Um, Makes it a really strong, uh, a really strong thing. The, it, basically, the fact that in b- getting this, I'm not only uh, getting a copy of an album I truly love, but um, getting a sort of you know different artistic statement on it is, um, uh, man, I think I think that's that's a very strong con- contender for actually happening here. Yes. Um, now, the only bad news to um a little infinite sadness on your melancholy is to uh that was terrible i'm sorry um, <laughs> is that i think with the um 
excitement over a question mark over the pumpkins reunion tour the price has been going up so you may end up dropping two or three benjamins on this um i just i see Ah. the, the prices have been going up um if I I'm seeing the, three six three seventy yeah. on Discogs right here. So you might, you know, Discogs may not be, you know, you get a lot of options there. You might have to do a little trolling around to other places to buy it. Um, but jeez, oh, uh, when did you uh, buy your copy, Joe? Because no, you I don't, have this, don't you? No, I don't. See, that's the thing. I uh, don't have this. Um, I never, kind of never intersected. The time when I would buy it, I was like not ready to spend that much time money on it, and now yeah. I could spend that much money on it but really should not (laughs) so um that's that's where i am plus i do have the um the vinyl reissue of melancholy um which unfortunately is not the best pressing of the album there's actually oh errors on it Um, yeah so uh is that annoying as fuck is that this four lp copy i'm looking at uh information on here Uh, most likely, yes. Okay, so that's got a whole different track listing than I take it. So the no, the so the reissue version um, is the CD track list, uh, which okay, is also yeah. annoying. Yeah, yeah, not um, as cool. So this one's cool. It's numbered. If you get a numbered one, um, definitely this. If this could be your your reach uh, album, yeah, and worth worth seeing if someone you know uh, puts one up for less than three hundred dollars, then probably a decent investment just giving that there's a limited number of them and yeah yeah let's see we've got a have 1500 and a want 3200 here on uh discogs mm. um yeah i would say like probably my strike price on this is something around 300 dollars. so i will uh i'll keep my eye on this you know all right i like yeah. it oh so does gabe um <laughs> <laughs> Now, Joe, uh, I don't know if this is on your list to come up. Um, by the way, the top listed seller uh, for the Melancholy album on Discogs is a seller going by the uh, nom de, de Discogs uh, vinyl condom. So um, <laughs> I don't think that would work, people. Don't don't try that. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, I my understanding is that the Adore vinyl uh, edition is sweet, if only because you get the big ass full color photography from the album. Uh, yes, it's beautiful. I do own that, and of course, it's the famed mono mix of the album. Ah, so it's, yes, it's that's totally right. different than the CD. That's a little cheaper um, and definitely worth having. Having, I mean, if you love Adore, as I know you do, um, that's a, do. that's a slightly more uh, economical purchase. Um, and I think as as interesting and alternative as um, the different track lists of Melancholy, um, the one thing yeah. being that that the mono mix is available um, for download as part of the uh, the the Adore reissue. They they reissued the the mono mix um, in digital. That's it. But, uh, but I'd, so le- yeah, I'd rather yeah yeah. This is buyable at forty two dollars. That's no big deal. Heck yeah. Um, I also have a sweet translucent orange copy of Pisces on vinyl. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Really tasty. Um, Paul, I have a I have a fun uh, option for you now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is a more recent release from 2013 um, for Record Store Day. 
um, Stephen Malkmus and friends um, got mm-hmm. together and recorded a um, uh, a cover of Can's Eggy Bamyasi. Or oh wow! The entire album. Whoa! Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. So who are these friends? I have to ask because the the rhythm section needs to be on point here. I don't really know. That's a good question. Okay. Um, Steve Malcolmus has some good friends. This is available for um, uh, looking like forty dollars is the lowest price. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's let's look up who the friends are. I mean, I have to say, like Stephen Malcolmus's slacker drawl seems like the polar opposite of Demo Suzuki's, uh, you know, methed out LSD trip voice. Um, so that's an interesting idea right there. Very uh, interesting. Apparently a German quartet named Von Spar served as okay. the rhythm section. I, uh, uh, <laughs> so I was going to make a terrible joke that was just a bad pun on a corporate name for polyurethane that you can buy at Home Depot. That's let's, let's just move on. Yeah. Let's, um, let's let that one die. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, Anyway, um, that sounds interesting. Um, <laughs> I, w- I, I, it would be the kind of thing that even if the music is terrible, uh, when you have a fellow indie music nerd uh, around, you could pull it out and be like, "Look at this shit," and their eyes would definitely bug out of their, out of their head just to discover that it existed if they didn't know already. Yeah, there, so there's only three thousand of them, and uh, you know, it's you can't get this recording in any other way. So that's that's another thing. You, I don't believe it's still not available in digital. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, it's a wow. record store day exclusive. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes the record store day exclusives are like, you know, just particular physical ex- editions that only exist there. But the, the actual recordings are not available otherwise. That's pretty impressive. Yes. So cool. Um, yeah. That's very interesting. What's this called again? Or is it just called Ege Bem Yasi? Yeah. Can, yeah. Cans Ege Bem Yasi. It's Steve right. Alchemist. You'll, you'll find it. Um, cool. Okay, do you have anything else for me to consider? Or uh, I don't really. Um, you okay. know, I, I think that it, it was hard. There was a lot to go through for like record store day releases. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. That's probably a place where you could go and find like. Just... There are probably infinite stupid curios you could find that way. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that the the nice thing is these days. You know, whatever band you felt like you you wanted to have something on vinyl, you could probably find like a really cool release, um, whether yeah. it's through Record Store Day or being re-released. Um, you know, it's 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 out there, and that's part of the amazing vinyl revolution, which um, you know may not. It, it seems like it may not last forever. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if people are buying cassette tapes, they should definitely still be buying vinyl for a while. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think the problem is that vinyl requires uh, cassette tapes are being sold more as like an underground curio, yeah. whereas vinyl requires a pretty big um, ecosystem. Um, so I think yeah. I think indie labels are going to continue pressing vinyl for a long time. But um you know, there's a there's a question as to whether the the major labels will continue to invest in it as uh, music loses all of its retail. <laughs> <space>. <laughs> yeah, um, 
It'll, it will be interesting because, uh, you know, there are definitely audio files out there. People like my dad who have to have the vinyl copy so they don't get the pre-ringing you get on the digital or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, so they'll be sad if the major labels stop doing that because those big releases are the things that are like, you know, just recorded so perfectly um, that really... Uh, you know, if you're the kind of person who listens to something just to hear how well recorded it is and you don't care about the music at all, um, that's important. Uh, that's not me, by the way. Um, but um, yeah, you know, there's definitely a fad element to all this vinyl stuff that's been going on for, I don't know, a decade now. But um, I bet I bet it's got some staying power. I mean, the music nerd who wants to have a way to like feel a connection to his music. I mean, that's the thing I get the most out of um, buying a new album on vinyl is that it's like, it, it feels a little bit more real than having a digital copy of it, even when I paid for in my uh, digital vaults. So um, I will definitely consider this, particularly the melancholy one that Stephen Malcolmus and Friends Ege Bimbyasi is just so weird sounding. I kind of want to buy it just yes. to see what it sounds like. Yes. Um, Paul, should we, um, as we transition out of this, should we listen to Stephen Malcolmus and Friends playing Vitamin C? It's on Wait, YouTube. oh, you can find that one? It's okay. on YouTube. All right, we're doing that, yes. All right. The family cash, a beautiful red rose standing in the corner, but she living in an out tune. That, hmm. that that's pretty straightforward um, uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, uh, what was most impressive was that I've listened to that song a million times and other than hey you you're losing you're losing you're losing your vitamin C I don't think I knew any of the lyrics but all of a sudden I understood them when they came out of Stephen Malkwiss's <laughs> mouth so I do wonder um, if you would listen to that more than once if you purchased it that's the thing uh, with a total curio like that is like the second time would I really be like um, yeah, I got to listen to Stephen Malcolm's version instead of, I'm just going to put on the regular can. That's fine. Right. Um, but you know, you could always resell it to some greater indie fool. Um, it's the <laughs> <laughs> infinite bubble logic of <laughs> final ownership. Um, definitely an interesting choice. So Joe, um, speaking of owning all this music, uh, and, uh, you know, as one uh, was once forced to in the physical media era, you know, prior to about like 1998, um, uh, we now live in a world uh, where we don't have to do that. But some of us, uh, I know I do, and I believe you do too to some extent, still feel like there's some importance to um, 
having a, one's own personal music collection uh, in whatever way that uh, that concept is even coherent nowadays. So um, I, I, th- I believe you had some thoughts on this and wanted to uh, have a discussion about it. I did. Well, it came up to in my mind because uh, it recently um, got out uh, an older external hard drive um, and wanted to transfer, you know, back up everything on into a new external hard drive I got. And that included my old, um, my MP3 collection, which I've been adding to since you know, the days of Napster in 2000. Um, I think there are a lot of mm. files in there that I, I downloaded from uh, at least from Napster, at least from the um, the period directly thereafter, um, the majority of it came from a um, a DC plus plus hub called <laughs> Anti Music. I forgot um, about DC plus plus. Wow. Yeah, the hubs, man. I think they're still out there. I'm sure they are. Um, yeah, they they were actually really good um, for trade, especially for trading bootlegs. Once that went digital, people. Um, there yeah. were a lot of there was specialized Smashing Pumpkins and Radiohead hubs that were full of awesome bootlegs. Um, but I was on one that people used where you had to have five gigs of MP3s to, uh, yeah. or else a bot would kick you when you logged in. So this is this is back when a gig was hard to come by. Um, yes, it was um, serious shit. It may have been one gig, but anyway, it was a lot. If you have Napster era MP3s, are there like some sweet like ninety six kbps files in there i'm sure um, there. I, I used to have a lot of those but i think i may have yeah. lost some of them like i had a lot of smashing pumpkins like live like 96 kbps you know that you could barely hear what was going on even if you had a perfect quality file and the low quality mp3 just required a lot of teenage imagination <laughs> there must still be some mp3s out there Still getting listened to that were, you know, are copies of files originally ripped in oh. like 1995. Oh, absolutely. Plus, I wow. mean, I, I, you know, I think that um, I'm already getting off on a tangent here. But I mean, I think that, you know, from that era, um, the, the 2000s before, you know, when MP3s were actually like a, a bit of a commodity. And, uh, you know, there are some that are... Um, actually rare they're like rare mp3s (laughs) like i mean they're not if the link to them on if the link to this song you liked if it was just like sort of passed around mp3 blogs you know like a demo and so it was only released as that or like a you know a local area Ah. cd you know from like some company that's you know some records company that's like oh yeah we don't have our 2003 like eps up on Spotify because, you know, they might not exist anymore. Then like, you know, there's some MP3s that you can't find anymore. And I actually had this problem where I had to dig around and find forever to find this song, you know, some like, you know, from an EP. I have Um, a, a I have a great example of this, actually. The, uh, the uh, Shushu, one of my favorite weirdo indie bands. Yeah. Their, their first, uh, single from their classic 2003 album, Fabulous Muscles, uh, was the title track. And the original version that they released, like the one on the album is called Fabulous Muscles Mama Black Widow version. The original version that came out before the album did was uh, much faster tempo and had some like auxiliary percussion mm-hmm. to it that is not there on the album version. 
And I listened to the, you know, streaming MP3 version of it, like on Pitchfork in like 2003 or something. And as far as I can tell, that does not exist on the internet. Now, it's almost impossible to Google because there's another much more widespread version of the same song. Right. Um, but, but it's definitely not on any streaming service. I think I even tweeted at the band begging them to like point me to where I could find this because <laughs> I actually really like that <laughs> version um, and got no response. But um, yeah, great example of uh, of a, a rare MP3. Yeah, I you know I I back then I found totally by accident this uh, singer songwriter named Madeline Adams who uh, has one album out there that you can still find and listen to that's that's good. Um, I mean, that's not that she has a bunch of bad albums out there. It's just there's one album and it's good. Um, but she had sort of like a B side. Uh, that I like listen to over and over, and um, I actually st- I think I know where the MP3 now is on another hard drive, but I haven't actually found it yet. And hmm. used to be able to download it for free from her website, but the website is now advertising her services as a as a, as a copywriter. So, jeez, oh, I haven't turned to actually emailing her yet. Um, <laughs> you should. She'll probably be like thrilled and just send it to you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna email her um, and offer to pay her. Uh, a handsome sum for this MP3 uh, that I was once obsessed with, but that's the point. Um, you know, offer offer to commission like a a blog summary <laughs> or, or a podcast a yeah. podcast description of us uh, yes. in, in return for the MP3. I like it. Um, uh, so you know the the what came up to me is like collections. You know, even in the MP3 area, you had a collection of music, and now. Yeah that has fundamentally changed because before to listen to music, you not only had to go and gather knowledge of that music and figure out Mm -hmm. what to listen to, but you then had to go like purchase, borrow, steal the music and like possess it. Um, So like for like television's marquee moon, first off I had to find out that it existed and (laughs) that it was good. So that if I saw it, I would know maybe I should buy this. And then I would actually have to buy it to listen to it. Um, Yeah. But now all you need is the knowledge you just need to know it exists and you can listen to it. And it's not, it, it never enters into a thing called a collection. Um, you might not even have to know it exists. Spotify might decide for you that you would like it and play it into your ears yes. without asking. Yes. Um, or add it, right. And, and in that way, you're even like listening to a collection that's been made for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um you know, and this, I, the example I say is our, uh, you know, um, our mutual friend, Eric, who, who teaches high school, uh, tells his kids about music he likes, um, and, <laughs> and, uh, which can troubling, um, but, um, he's talking to them about Pink Floyd and he said, you know, uh, kid comes back in the next day and it's like, I listened to all, I just listened to all the Pink Floyd albums I could just like all, oh, really? Row. You know, like they just go, they just put it on Spotify. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll listen to this. Like it's, you know, as opposed to having to like build up a collection of Pink Floyd CDs or like borrow them from someone or like take your time with each of them, which I know that's sort of like old man. Take your time with the album. But (laughs) um, I think that's an example of how the collection isn't necessary. All you need is the knowledge and you can listen to music. Quick tangent on Pink Floyd. I was at a out late on a Friday night at a bar uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, the DJ was just like playing. He was he wasn't like a full on like you know uh, mix master or anything, but he was like playing uh, you know well known songs and you know just chopping and screwing them a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
and he did that to another brick in the wall and it fucking ruled yes um you know like that song has a sweet steady disco beat uh to begin with and then when you add a couple like glitchy you know repeats to the beat and so forth um and some extra reverb uh filters and everything it sounds rad so um anyway completely pointless props to that guy proceed with your story well i think that (laughs) your tangent (laughs) has effectively ended that story um but um you know i think what i started to think about is whether this act of curation of the collection has meaning beyond sort of like a physical uh you know, fetishization, as we discussed, Um, you know, and the answer is yes. I mean, I still value Mm -hmm. playlists and mixtapes as a great way to collect even the digital era. And I mean, in some ways, that's how it persists. You know, you do, you are able to put things together that you care about um, uh, uh, and in a way that you can like share with other people or, you know, Actually, as I was talking about this subject with my wife, since it took us like three weeks to record this podcast, um, and uh, you know, she she put it like you know the collections are a way to like refine your own personality, um, mm. and I thought that was good. You know, there there are parts of your collection of this MP3 collection I saw that like kind of helped me remember who I am and who I was, you yeah. know, which I can't really do when I'm just open Spotify and stare at a shelf of all music ever made (laughs) like an (laughs) infinite shelf going in either direction. Yeah. It'd be like walking into Costco and being like, ah, this is me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We may have a couple friends. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, actually probably people in the future will look at Costco and say, ah, this was America. Um, Mm. But, uh, um, no, you have a great point. I mean, so I'm not a prolific uh, mixtape or playlist maker, but I do have a few in my Google Music. I have one for uh, for the best beats uh, that I've listened to. I have another. It's pretentiously called Beauty, but it's like just the yes. the, the songs that are the the most sad um, and and beautiful. Um, and uh, so so anytime something really fits with one of those, I'll throw it onto that that playlist but i mean i still think about like this mix cd i made from you know 96 kilobod uh mp3s ripped from napster in like 2001 and i i made like uh album art for it uh you know actually figured out the dimensions of a of a jewel case insert and (laughs) and graphic designed in like windows you paint uh a thing that i could print out and cut out and put into a thing it's not like I even gave this to anybody else. I made this whole fucking fake CD for myself. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I don't remember everything on it. I do remember that White Town's Your Woman was on it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, oh, I think uh, uh, it was before I owned any M- Modest Mouse, so Polar Opposites uh, by Modest Mouse was on it. Um, that's all I can remember for sure. But I, even even though I can only remember two of the 12 tracks or whatever, um just thinking about how I felt making that uh, that mix CD brings back a very powerful feeling of what I was like then and what I was into. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, so I hadn't thought about it that way, but it definitely it definitely does make sense that way. 
yeah. this theory you have. Yeah, I mean, and and um, you know, and 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 even beyond um, mixtapes and playlists, just like that collection of albums. I mean, there's albums, you know, in this uh, list of MPDs that I just forgot about. I ever uh, I forgot yeah. that I ever downloaded or had or listened to, um, you know, and some of them are bad. And some of them are good. Some of them I'm like, I don't ever know if I ever listen to this. I mean, you know, and, and it's things like I'd forgotten about the Russian futurists um, and their brilliant mm. album. Uh, Let's get ready to crumble, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, the, the title song from that um, album fucking rules. I do uh, not know this band or this album, but the their their naming chops are so strong. I'm I'm going for it right after this. Yes, we could listen. That that could be. We could listen to one more song. We could Let's listen that. to that. Okay. Okay. That was extremely early to mid aughts, Joe. Yes, um, that that beat slaps in a two thousand three way. It's very two thousand three. It's good, but yeah. it's funny how uh, how like polyphonic spree it is. Um, yes, totally. <laughs> um, such a weird odd song that I love, um, and it was great to rediscover. It was great that it was still in my collection. Um, mm. Paul, I don't have a grand uh, a grand way to wrap this up. Um, only to <laughs> well, say that it's an open question for me. Yeah. So, you know, um, for a long time, I, I don't want to rehash my feelings about buying music, um, but just very briefly, for a long time, I resisted even switching to digital copies, uh, you know, to MP3s as the primary way to own music, just because it didn't feel real enough to me um, to have just a bunch of digital files. Like when I compared the albums mm-hmm. I had downloaded illegally, even if I downloaded them in full and got the metadata all right and whatever. Uh, and I compared that to an album where I just like had the CD and I could look over and pick up the CD. Like it didn't feel like I really had it. It didn't feel like um, this was my album. Now, partially at the time 
I also just had way less music. Like I buy, I don't know, on average an album and a half a week nowadays, I would say. Hmm. Um, and whereas back then, you know, I probably had to, you know, like once every two months when I was really young, I could splurge on an album or whatever. So that was also why it seemed more precious and personal. If you bought an album, we've talked about this before, like you were going to fucking listen to that shit. Um, (laughs) whereas now like there are lots of albums I've bought and I have never listened to after, uh, listening to them. The one time I decided that made me decide to buy them. Um, so, um, Part of it is just that I there maybe there is more music maybe I just have access to more music maybe I just do a better job of trying to listen to new music but um, yeah I think there is a lot of value anything that's in my that that I have bought that's in my Google Music collection like feels like even if I don't listen to it very often it feels like something where I um, the this album and me you know we got a thing it's it's maybe not real hot right now but it's. It's it could always get rekindled, um, and there is sort of a personal identity thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But there's also, um, it's it's almost like I'm making a promise to the music that I'll come back to it someday. Um, that uh, so for my sake, that's useful in that it reminds me that this was good, and I should go back and experience it again. In a way that if you listen to it on Spotify, even if you loved it, you know, it's entirely possible for that to sort of slip through the ether and never, uh, you know, 20 years later, you might be listening to it again and be like, I feel like I listened to this before. Um, yeah. But <laughs> right. But if, but if I, I see it in my Google Music, that means I put it there on purpose and I must have liked it. So that's, I don't know, there's some value in, in maybe just the, maybe we're getting to philosophical territory, like the continuity of the personality um, it's a way to sort of keep track of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that bringing it back to the vinyl part of it, I mean, you know, there's, there's also, um, there's an open question about whether, you know, you need a collection that's then, um, unmediated by any large corporations or the digital rights, uh, yeah. around them. I mean, to have something that like, you know, someone could only take from you by force or act of God, um, (laughs) you know, is in some ways important not to get too far uh, down that rabbit hole or back into anti-Spotify territory. Um, uh, I think it's valuable to actually, um, you know, own the music if you're lucky enough to be able to afford it and keep it and have the things to play it. Um, That, that matters to be able to do that outside um of relying on spotify to keep it up or whatever um uh or you know passing a certain threshold that spotify would even post the music um yeah uh, which you know i think is uh one one place where maybe the utility of uh uh you know underground tapes um uh kind of comes into play but we can we can get into that yeah on another episode (laughs) no so i mean i think we basically agree on this there's uh there's something special about it and uh i mean i guess we don't it's not it wasn't meant to be an argument but uh you know it's interesting to hear your your perspective on um i hadn't thought of it as uh, a sort of touchstone with one's past self so much as um you know more the uh, the anarcho-capitalist self-reliance points you just touched on in the end, which it does give me some 
um, I do keep all my music in the cloud, but it gives me at least some solace that within a day, if Google Music said they were shutting down the service, I could have it all on my hard drive, you know? Yes. Um, and uh, and nobody could ever take that from me. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. People care about what you listen to, I guess, is the main moral of the story once Indeed. again. And keep track of it. Yeah. Don't be passive. Don't be passive listeners. You wouldn't, you wouldn't passively have sex with whatever person a corporation decided to put in front of you and music is at least as intimate as sex so hmm. don't just listen to anything i think we need to end on that powerful meta- metaphor <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so thanks everybody for listening uh as usual you can find us online at various platforms twitter the web email and iTunes, where you can rate and subscribe. Please do all those things. We really would appreciate it. We have a few. And, uh, e- we have a few emails to respond to. Oh shit! Okay, you know what, Joe? First segment next time. We're hitting all the fucking emails because yes. we keep begging for people to do it, and then because we're both like forgetful people, we don't. Um, but it like warms my the cockles of my heart every time I hear that little notification sound. So, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, I think you know to close this out. Uh, I'm going to play another song I found in my collection. And Paul, I sent it to you. I don't know if you listened to it. Uh, the iTunes exclusive version of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Hysteric. Oh, uh, yeah. That's really good. A um, quality, quality version of a quality song. Absolutely. Indeed. All right, people. Good night. Good night. Oh, sweet.